Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Um, hey, if you're here for the very first time, um, welcome to Connect Church. My name is Dave Jane. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect, and uh, we're thrilled you've come to join us. You're actually uh, in the middle of a series here called Beyond Ordinary. And we've taken a few weeks here just to look at the idea that when it comes to relationships, we really kind of have a choice. We can, we can choose to have ordinary relationships with one another, or we could strive to have what we've called Beyond Ordinary. So we've been looking over the last few weeks at just some different aspects of um, relationships, the way we interact with one another. And let's be honest here this morning, every one of us uh, has some kind of relationship. It could be husband and wife, it could be your son and, or parents or daughter, or it could be a sibling or a coworker, an employer. Every one of us engages every day in different kind of relationships. So we've been asking the question, what would those relationships look like if, if we strive for what we're calling beyond ordinary so we've been looking at uh, a couple of different things. We looked at uh, encouragement, how important that can be in relationships. We looked at forgiveness. We looked at honesty. And this morning, we're going to take a look at a concept that uh, for many of us, it might seem really simple, but actually can be kind of hard to play out in our relationships. And that's the idea of trust. Um, every one of us, uh, every day, puts trust into action. And, and trust can be difficult at times. Because you see, when it comes to trusting people, when it comes to trusting one another, there are two things, I think, that affect how well we trust. Those two things are what you see and who you are. What you see and who you are. Because let's be honest this morning, a lot of what we do in the area of trust is based upon what we see, what we know to be true. But there is also the added dimension of who we are that can affect how well we trust other people. So I want to look a little bit at that um, in a little more detail later on in the message. But for now, let's just get an idea of exactly what trust is. In fact, let's start right here with ordinary trust before we work up to beyond ordinary trust. So ordinary trust, the dictionary defines trust as a confident expectation of something or to, to hope for something. And let's be honest here this morning, trust is an incredibly important part of every one of our relationships. But you know, there are many here this morning that call Connect Church their church home. Many who have been coming to Connect for months now or, or even over the last year since we launched. And the reality is that for every one of them, there's actually a relationship, a trust relationship that is over and above every other relationship in their lives. Because for many here this morning, they have chosen to trust in the Lord God. They have chosen to trust God with their lives. And it's changed who they are. It's changed how they've lived. They actually follow in the, the footsteps of countless people over thousands of years who have made that very same decision to trust in God. You know, almost 200 years ago, Congress felt it was so important that they decided to have it written upon a currency in the dollar bills and on the notes in your pocket right now are the words, in God we trust. But it dates back even beyond that. You can go back thousands of years, even back to before Jesus was alive. You can find that in the Old Testament, there were people who made a conscious decision, who made a decision to put their trust in God. Listen to what the psalm writer says in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. You can see it up on the screens here, or you can follow along if you've got your Bible with you or an app on your phone. In Psalm 20, verse 7, it says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
We trust in the name of the Lord our God. What they're saying here is that, listen, we live in a volatile time right now. There are armies and, and kingdoms and, and wars waged between different kingdoms and, and different kings are, are relying on their, their armies and their mights. But we, the people of Israel, we, the, the people of the Lord, we don't trust in chariots. We don't trust in horses. Our trust is in the name of the Lord our God. We believe that he will watch over us. He will protect us. And this wasn't just a naive trust. This was based on what they'd seen in their own history. Listen to what's um, written in Exodus chapter 14, 31, talking about the Israelites when they were um, captive in, in Egypt. It says, When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. He's saying when they saw what God did to deliver them from the Egyptians, when they saw what God did to rescue them from slavery, not only did they fear the Lord, but they put their trust in him. You know, another psalm writer in Psalm 40, verse 3, he says this, He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. When they saw what God had done, when they saw God at work in their, in their nation, in the lives of their friends, they were amazed and they put their, their trust as a result in the Lord of God. You know, here at Connect, I've spoken with, with countless people who have made a decision to trust God. You know, we're only a little over a year old as a church. And, and, and in our church, there are families who, who prior to attending Connect never attended church anywhere. And some of them, they chose to, to come to Connect and check out the things of God. And, and in the time of them being here, they've, they've taken a decision. They've made a decision to put their trust in God. And it's changed who they are. It's changed their families. And for many of them, it was based on what they saw take place in the lives of others, what they saw here at Connect Church, what they saw God's doing in their lives. In fact, I remember one conversation with a guy who said that, it, you know, for me, it was the morning of November 17th, the day of the tornado. You know, that morning we, uh, when the storm was coming, we all had to usher into these locker rooms for safety and the whole congregation was split between those two rooms. And, and as the storm was approaching, people were singing and, and singing hymns and songs and, and people, families were huddled together and praying. And he said, when I saw in those people what the trust they had in God, it changed me. He, he said, I wanted what they had. Still to this day, there are many who, when they see what the Lord has done, choose to put their trust in him. And if you've not made that decision yet, I want to challenge you this morning. Would you do that? Maybe, maybe you're here and you've been coming for a while and, and you're checking things out and you just want to learn a bit more and you want to understand more of the things of God. But at some point, there has to come an, an element of trust. You know, Paul says when it comes to, to having a relationship with Jesus... It says, we were saved by grace through faith. There is a faith element to, to our decision to, to trust in God. So for you this morning, this may be the greatest trust exercise you've ever taken. But I believe it will be the best trust exercise you've ever taken if you were to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. 
So you know what? Before I go on, I want to talk about trust in the context of relationships with one another here this morning. But before I go any further, I want to give you that opportunity to trust in God. So I'm going to pray right now. And as I'm praying, maybe you'll sit there and you'll be thinking, you know, I want to do that. I've, I've seen what God has done in the lives of others, and, and I'm ready to put my trust in Him. And as I pray, you'll just, in your heart, you'll speak to God, and, and you'll whisper and say, God, I just want to trust in you. So, Father, I just pray right now for everyone here. I pray, Lord, that for those who have, who have not yet made a decision to put their trust in you, Lord, that you would give them the, the confidence this morning to do that. Lord, the truth is that there are many of us here this morning, some who have trusted and some who haven't, some who have grown up in church all their lives and some who church is very new to them. But the reality is that wherever we find ourselves this morning, Lord, you love every single one of us. You've chosen to love us in our fallen state, Lord. And I pray this morning that if there are those who haven't responded to that, that they would respond to that love this morning and they would make that choice to put their trust in you. Because, Lord, I know it will change their lives forever. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning, and as I was praying, that's something that you felt compelled to do. You know, as we were praying, you were like, I, I want to do that. Don't let this moment pass. If you came with someone, speak to them. Say, hey, listen, tell me more about this. Email me, text me, Facebook me, whatever you need to do. Contact one of our leaders. But, but speak to someone this morning. Ask how, how, what, is, what a trust relationship in God looks like because we want to help you grow in that. So although I believe that that is the most important element of trust in our lives, to have trust in God, our Creator, what I want to talk about this morning is, is more the idea of trust as it uh, exists in our relationships with one another. The idea of how we trust one another. Because, you know, it can be hard at times, I know that, but it really is an essential part of what it means to have a healthy relationship. Because did you know this week alone you've already been trusting people? You know, maybe this week you arranged to meet a friend for coffee or, or you said, hey, let's go out to lunch together this week. And, and when you arrived at that restaurant, that coffee shop, you trusted that they hadn't forgotten. And as you waited, in they walked and they'd remembered. Maybe you told your husband this week, hey, listen, on the way home from work, don't forget to stop and pick up some milk. We're out of milk. And you trusted that your husband would remember to get the milk. And you know what? He remembered. As he pulled up onto the driveway, he remembered. And he backed out real quick and drove back to the store, but he got the milk. And you were right to trust him. Maybe this morning you arrived at Connect and you handed your child to a Connect kids worker. You know what? You trusted that they would care for them. You trusted that they would share with them that God loves them and that they, that they would tell them just how special they are. And they will. They really will. And, and even though you really trust them, I'm afraid that at the end of the service, we will have to give them back to you. Because despite the requests to hold on to them for maybe just one more week, I'm afraid we can't do that. You trust us that much, but we do need to send you home with your kids today. But you know, that's, that's ordinary trust. Ordinary trust is the day-in, day-out trust. And, and in this series, you know, we're talking about beyond ordinary, aren't we? We're talking about what does it look like in our relationships to not live in an ordinary realm, but in a beyond ordinary realm. So this morning, together, I want us to figure out what beyond ordinary trust looks like. Because I think if we can figure this out and we can apply this in our lives, it will actually affect how we relate to other people. Irrespective of how they behave, it will change the way that we relate to other people. 
So to set this up, and I want to camp here for a while on this particular passage, um, the whole idea of trust, I think, can be found in this, in this um, key passage that Paul writes to the church in Corinthians. It's a very famous passage. You're going to recognize it as soon as I start reading it. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. People call it the love chapter. It's the love chapter. So uh, you'll recognize it as I start to read it. You may have heard this read at a wedding. Uh, You may have had it read at your wedding. This is so famous at weddings. It's really, this chapter is to the wedding ceremony, what the cha-cha slide is to the reception. It's pretty much a guarantee that you're going to hear them both, okay? But this morning, let's read it and let's, let's take weddings out of the picture for a second. And let's, let's listen to these words that Paul's saying in the context of our relationships every day with one another. Not just married lives, but every relationship we have. Because if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Christ, this is the kind of love that we are being called to. So this isn't an optional thing. Paul's saying, hey, listen, if you've chosen to trust Jesus, if you've chosen to to live your life following him, this is the standard. This is what love should look like in your lives. So let's read this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And then listen, Paul wraps it all up with this very short sentence, but really powerful. He says, listen, it always protects. Not sometimes, it always protects. It always trusts. Not conditional, not, you know, well, as long as this, no, it always trusts. Love always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Man, just in those four short phrases there, Paul is packing in such an incredible amount of truth, such an incredible challenge to what beyond ordinary love looks like. Because I think there's a few things that you can kind of summarize just from those four phrases. I, I think this is what Paul's saying when it comes to, to the idea of trust. He's saying, listen, love gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. If I had to come up with like a practical application just from that short passage, I would say that one of the things Paul is saying is that love gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. That's what love does. Love, when there is a dilemma, when there's a discrepancy between what was promised and what actually happens, love gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. Let's look at this second statement here. The second idea from that passage, I think, is that love looks for the most generous explanation for the other person's behavior. Think about that for a second. Love looks for the most generous explanation for the other person's behavior. So what does that mean? Well, well, what happens when there is a gap? We're going we're gonna to talk in a minute in a real practical way about what that gap looks like. But what happens when there's a gap between what was promised and what actually happened? In that relationship, all of a sudden, this gap appears. My kids said this, but then they did this. Or my husband told me this, but, but then he went and did this. My boss said that it was going to happen this way, but then it actually happened this way. So I'm going to put something in that gap. And love says, you know what? Before I jump to conclusions, what are some other possibilities? And love looks for the most generous explanation for that other person's behavior. When the gap appears, love looks for the most generous explanation. 
I think another thing that um, Paul is kind of hinting at in this passage here, these three short verses on love, he says, listen, love chooses trust over suspicion. Love always trusts. Love chooses trust over suspicion. And that's tough. In relationships we're involved in, uh, many times we tend to find ourselves looking towards suspicion before trust. But Paul is saying, hey, listen, love chooses trust over suspicion. So let me break this down here for you this morning in a real practical way. And I've got a a visual aid here that I'm going to use that I think is going to really help some of you to kind of picture this and visualize this idea. Because you see... In all relationships, whatever they are, marriage, uh, husband, wife, son, daughter, colleagues, wherever you find yourself in any kind of relationship, there will always be two things. There will always be two things. And I've written these down on these two cards. The first one here, it says expectations. There will always be what was expected. And then this, this second card, as I lift it up, you'll see it says experience. So here you have these two cards that represent every relationship we're in. There's the expectations and there's the experience. There's the expectations, what I expect, and the experience, what I experience. In all relationships, marriage, work, school, it could be a a sports team that your kids are on. It could be the relationship between them and the coach. It could be the relationship between you and the coach. Even in government, in all relationships, there will always be what you said you'd do, and what you actually did. What, what time you said you'd be home and what time you actually arrived home. What, what you said you'd do if I voted for you and what you actually did. Look at these cards. What I was expecting you to do and what I actually experienced you do. Now listen, it's really cool because sometimes these match. Sometimes what I expected you to do is actually what you did. My experience matched my expectations. And that's great. We love it when that happens. But let's be honest. Does that happen in every relationship? No. In fact, sadly, I think oftentimes it happens the other way. It doesn't happen. Oftentimes, we see this gap between what we expected and what we actually experienced. And this gap is what causes the problems in our relationships. The gap between what we expected and what we experienced. And if you forget everything else I say this morning, please, just as you look at this gap right now, just remember this. When there is a gap between what we expected and what we experienced, listen, we decide what goes in the gap. We decide what goes in this gap. You might say, no, no, Dave, Dave, that's not right. You see, uh, here was the expectation. He said he was going to be home at 8. And, and his experience, I heard the garage door go up at 10. I know, the garage door. But <laughs> I heard, he said 8, the door goes up at 10. So, so in, their, in this case, Dave, he chose for me what goes in that gap. He was two hours late, so, so he chose what went in that gap. Listen. They've, they've, they've forced me, and look at this card here because this is really important. On this card, I'm going to put in the gap in the middle. It says, assume the worst. And, and too often we say, hey, listen, he was late, so I am going to assume the worst. He forced me to assume the worst. But the truth is, they don't control what you put in this gap. 
If, if your sign in the middle here says, assume the worst, you chose to assume the worst. You control what goes in this gap. This is why Paul wrote all he did to the church in Corinth about love and about trust. He's saying, hey, listen, in every relationship, every relationship, love has to drive the way you handle things. Love's got to push you to respond differently. Love pushes you to, to not assume the worst. But let me flip this around here. On the other side, it says, believe the best. Believe the best. We can choose to put this in the gap. We can choose to believe the best because love understands that you, that I, that we, we choose what goes in this gap. And listen, I'll be honest with you here this morning. I think it takes beyond ordinary trust to switch this from assume the worst to believe the best. You see, I mentioned this at the beginning that really there are only two things that make it hard for us to trust. And that's what you see and who you are. We all have a choice. We can choose assume the best or believe, I'm sorry, assume the worst or believe the best. But we choose based on what we see, but also on who we are. Some of you here this morning, you grew up with a parent or a step parent who, who you should have been able to trust, but they let you down. Maybe there's someone here this morning that was married to a man or a woman who said, listen, till death do us part. But sadly, they didn't follow through on that promise or that vow. Maybe you worked at a place where the boss promised you a raise or a promotion only to pass you by and give it to someone else. And, and as a result of these or, 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 or situations like these, you now find that you have the propensity to choose, assume the worst, worst, Instead of believe the best, because of what life has dealt you, you find yourself filling this gap with assume the worst instead of believe the best. Because it's not the situation that puts this in the gap. It's you that chooses what goes in this gap. And beyond ordinary trust, says, listen, I'm going to strive to have the kind of love that Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about the kind of love that always protects, always hopes, always perseveres, always trusts. Now, some of you I know are ahead of me. You're, you're already thinking, yeah, but Dave, let me tell you what happened to me. Wait till I tell you my story. And you come up here and you grab the mic and, and you share your situation of how trust was broken. And, and everyone's like, wow, yeah, that, that's terrible. That's, that's it. The sermon's over, Dave. He's got a point. You can't, you can't deny that. Listen, many of us, probably all of us have an extreme story or, or we know of a tragic situation. And, and I'm going to talk about those in just a second here and how we can handle those. But listen, I don't want you to miss this this morning because of a situation or a story like that. No matter what, no matter how bad it was, no matter how wide this gap gets, no matter how consistently there is a gap, you choose Every single time what goes in this gap. No one has ever forced you to assume the worst. No one can do that for you. It's within your power to choose what goes in the gap. And your best shot, I really believe this, your best chance at restoring and healing and making stronger a relationship, your best shot is always to believe the best. Believe the best. 
Listen, I'm not naive here this morning. There are some of you right now, you're in the midst of a, a, a toxic relationship. There's a really difficult situation going on. You're saying, Dave, seriously? You're telling me that if I just believe the best, everything will change? No, everything won't change. There's some work needs doing. There's, there's something that's going to need to, to dig down a bit deeper there. But listen, I do guarantee you this. I promise you this. If you try, even this week, to believe the best instead of assuming the worst... Just look at how it affects you as an individual. Look at how it affects the way you deal with this person. It's not going to solve all the problems, but I do think it will change the way you view that other person. And I know that's hard and I know that's difficult, but I honestly believe that when we choose what to put in this gap, when we choose to believe the best, it can change who we are. It can change the way that we view others. So let's go back to those, those tragic stories, those terrible times. And, and, and Dave, what do I do when, when I, I follow your advice and I believe the best, but there is someone who just consistently lets me down? What do I do when, when I, I, I'm in a situation where I choose to believe the best, but this gap just gets wider and wider? I was expecting this person to do what we agreed upon, but time and time again, my experience was that they let me down. What do I do with that if I'm choosing to believe the best, but this person is always abusing my trust? Well, you know what? We talked about this last week. You may need to get some ordinary, sorry, some beyond ordinary honesty with this person. You may need to sit down and confront this person. You may say, but Dave, I don't like to confront people. I don't like conflict. Well, you know what? Good. That puts you alongside about 95% of the population who don't like it either. Let's be honest. Every one of us, most of us find confrontation difficult. In fact, the ones that enjoy it, they're the ones who you least enjoy being confronted by. Because they're in there like, yeah, let me tell you this. Let me tell you. And they just love it. The reality is, most of the conversations where people go in and it's difficult, it's hard, they're the ones that it might be painful or uncomfortable, but that honesty can help take that relationship through to the next level, from chaos to true community we talked about last week. And listen, if you come at this honest conversation, speaking the truth in love, the, the why did you abuse my trust conversation, if you come at it choosing to believe the best, I'm telling you, it will change the outcome of that conversation. It will change the way that conversation goes. Just making that choice um, of flipping this sign from assume the worst to, to believe the best can change the way that conversation takes place. Let me give you an example of this. I, I heard a guy um, speak recently, and uh, he's a speaker who travels the country, and he goes from place to place and uh, speaks to companies and organizations. And he was invited to come and speak to uh, an organization in Pebble Beach, California. Well, when he got the invite, he spoke to his son. He had a 14-year-old son, and he and his son both loved to golf. And he's like, hey, hey, son, listen, I've been invited to speak at Pebble Beach, California. They're going to fly me out there. They're going to put me up in a hotel. And uh, at the end of the conference, I've got a day free before I fly back. Would you like to come with me? And we could go out there, and we could play golf at Pebble Beach. What do you think? His son's like, Dad, that would be awesome. That would be so cool. So, so he buys him a plane ticket, and he takes his son with him, and uh, he does the conference, and the conference is over, and the next morning they get up bright and early, and they get to play golf together, father and son, at Pebble Beach. 
And dad's like, man, this was so awesome. I knew this was a moment that would last forever. That this was a bonding time between me and my son. And this would be something we'd look back on for years to come and cherish that day. And when the day was over, we were in the pro shop afterwards, just kind of looking around. And I saw my son had his eye on this windbreaker, this Pebble Beach windbreaker. It had the little logo in the corner. He's holding it up and he said, son, would you like me to buy that for you? He's like, oh, dad, would you? That would be so cool. So he takes us to the register, and at that point, he wishes he'd looked at the price tag before making the offer because this thing cost him an arm and a leg. It probably cost him more than the flight to get there. But um, he, he wants to buy it anyway. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. He wants to treat his son, so he buys him this beautiful Pebble Beach windbreaker. Well, the next morning, they get up real early. They, they check out of the hotel. They get the shuttle to the airport, and they're flying home. And uh, it's a bit of a rush. They grab some breakfast at the airport, and they take it with them on the plane. And he says, I sat down next to my son. And as the plane took off, we had these little TVs on the seats in front of us, and he was glued into a show that he was watching. And, and as he's watching it, he gets out his breakfast. It was French toast sticks with a pot of syrup. He says, and I watched as my son yanked the lid off that pot of syrup, and as he pulled it off, syrup splashed all over that brand new, very expensive Pebble Beach windbreaker. And the son just ignored it. And then he proceeded to start dipping those French toast sticks into that syrup, and, and as he was taking bites, syrup was flicking off and landing on his jacket. And, and as this happened, Dad was getting more and more angry. He's like, that ungrateful kid. I take him to Pebble Beach. I spend all this money. I didn't have to buy that jacket. I'm buying him this jacket. He doesn't care about it at all. He's got no gratitude. He doesn't care about me. He's throwing syrup all over it. And, and he's ready to, to launch into his son and confront him. He says, and in that moment on the plane, I knew I had to confront him. But I paused and I thought, you know, I could choose in this situation to assume the worst or believe the best. I can choose right now to assume the worst or believe the best. Assuming the worst is that my kid hates me. He doesn't care about the stuff I bought for him. To him, it's just a worthless rag. He's throwing syrup all over it. He doesn't care at all. Or I could choose to believe the best. Maybe there's a different story here. Maybe there's a reason. And, and that's what he did. He chose to believe the best. He said, hey, son, very calm, very relaxed. He said, did, did you realize that when you took that last bite, you, you spilled some syrup? Down your windbreaker. He says, son looks down and he saw the syrup all over his front. He's like, oh, no, I didn't realize. He says, son started to tear up. He's like, dad, dad, will this come out? Dad, dad, can I get this out? Is, is this ruined? And his son was horrified. His dad said, son, it'll be okay. They called the flight attendant over. They got some water and some napkins, and, and he was able to, to clean it off. But he said, you know what? In that instant, I realized my son wasn't an ungrateful so-and-so. He was, he was a teenager. He said, I realized in that moment, that's, that's just how teenagers eat. They, they, they put the food, they throw it in the general direction of their mouth, and uh, some goes in, but some doesn't. And he realized in that moment, you know, his son wasn't deliberately uh, just being ungrateful. His son was just being a teenager. And now he and his son can look back on a conversation from a di very different perspective. Because he said, if I'd have gone into that, assuming the worst, that would have been a very ugly um, just confrontation. I'd have shouted at him. He'd have shouted back, you know. But instead, in believing the best, the outcome of the conversation was so different. So listen, here's what I want you to, to do this morning. As we close out this message, there is a way that you can respond. 
In fact, I think there's a way that some of you need to respond this morning. Because I think there are some of you here today that as I've been talking, as you've been looking up here on the stage at these signs, you've thought, you know what? That's me. I wish I could say that in every situation I choose believe the best. But man, my default is actually to assume the worst. And I don't like that part of me. So, so here's what I need you to do. I want you to get alone sometime today. It could be in your bedroom later. It could be in your car as you're driving home. Just, just at some point where it's just you, I want you to get alone. And out loud, three times, I want you to say, I have a hard time trusting people. I have a hard time trusting people. I have a hard time trusting people. You might be like, Dave, that's kind of dumb. I, I know it. you know. But no, listen. I know you know it in your heart, and I know you know it in your mind. But, but some of you need to speak it out loud. You need to hear yourself saying it. You need to confess it and hear yourself saying, I have a hard time trusting people. And realize, you know, that's not a good thing. As you hear yourself saying it, acknowledge the fact, you know what? It's not a good place to be. It's, it's actually harmful to the relationships that I'm in. Because you're going to find that whenever there is a gap, that, that you always assume the worst. And, and maybe, there's, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's a reason that you default. You know, I said what you see and who you are. Maybe who you are is because of something that happened to you. It could have been a long time ago, but maybe there was a time where there was a relationship and there was trust involved and that trust was broken. And the hurt you felt, the damage that did to you individually has caused you to, from this point on, not trust again. To assume the worst in every single situation. Can I share a story with you this morning if that's you? Can I tell you a little story that I think might help you? So... A couple of months ago, maybe a month ago, Will, who's my middle son, Will and I, were, were we'd been to the football game on Friday night. We were coming home, and if you know where I live, it's uh, not far from the football field, so, so just a short distance. But, but on that way home, we turn a corner, and right there in the middle of the road, there's this car. And I say in the middle, I mean, it was like sideways across the road. It was still running. The driver's door was open. I said to Will, this is strange. Just pull over and see what's going on here. So we pulled over and we got out and we walked up to the car and sat there in the driver's seat. There's this 17-year-old girl and, and she'd lost control of her car. She'd gone up over the curb and she'd spun out into the road and she kind of landed here sideways on the road. Two of her tires were, were punctured. And as we got up to her, you know, it, it was kind of unusual. You wouldn't expect this for a 17-year-old girl, but she was hysterical. She was, she was crying. She was screaming a little bit. You know, I said, are you okay? She's like, no. I said, have you tried starting the car and trying to move it out of the road? She goes, I can't. It might blow up. I said, you know what? It, it probably won't blow up, but let, let me try it anyway. I'll, I'll give it a go for you. So she stepped out of the car. She went to the sidewalk, and, and uh, we started the car, and we kind of moved it and just kind of parked it to the side so that cars could drive backwards and forwards. And we waited with her then, and the police arrived, and then her mom came. And, and I stood there, and this cold night, and the police were figuring things out, and I heard her say to her mom, Mom, I am never going to drive again. Never. And I stood there and I thought, really? Really? You're 17 and you're never, ever going to drive again? So like what? From now on, you're going to walk to school? Maybe ride your bike? What about your job? You're going you're gonna to walk to work even in the winter? So vacation, you're going to just catch a train instead? Take a train everywhere you go? You're telling me that you're willing to live a life of inconvenience all because of one bad experience? Of course not. That girl's probably driving right now. It's only been a month or so, and she's already back driving because no one changes the way they, life because they live because of one small accident. But you know what? How many of us have done that? 
How many of us right now are living a life of um, inconvenience, relational inconvenience, because of something that happened to us years ago, and it's changed the way we trust? Isn't it such time that we changed the way we think? Isn't it time that we chose to fill this gap here with believe the best instead of assume the worst? Listen, if you are here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, let let me remind you again of those three phrases I read earlier. When Paul's talking about love, not just in the context of your wedding day, love as we are called as followers of Jesus to love one another. Paul says, listen, love gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. Love looks for the most generous explanation for the other person's behavior. Love chooses trust over suspicion. And that's hard. And I know you may have been let down in the past and you may choose to believe the best and still get let down again. But listen, beyond ordinary trust says, I'm willing to to follow the words of Paul. I'm willing to strive to have the kind of love that wants to believe the best in others because I think it'll change who I am as a person. So today, I am making the decision that it's time to change. It's time for me to start changing what goes in this gap from this point forward. Instead of assuming the worst, I'm going to flip the card and believe the best. Can we pray? Father, I want to thank you that over the last few weeks you've been challenging us, Lord, in this series. Challenging us to move from ordinary to beyond ordinary. And the truth is, Lord, every week when I teach this and I hear myself saying these words, I'm like, man, that's tough. But, but God, you, you know us and you love us, Lord, and you know what's best for us. And you want us to have the greatest relationships possible because in the end, it helps us to live a great life, Lord. And I pray that when it comes to trust... If we've been hurt by trust in the past, if we've been let down and it's affected the way we trust others, Lord, I pray for everyone here that you would help us this week. I pray that, God, because this isn't a switch that some of us can just flick. We can't just flip the card and say, okay, from now on I'll believe the best instead of assume the worst. This comes from from months or years of, of pain for some of us, Lord. But I pray that you would help us to flip the card. Because as you help us to do this, Lord, I think it's going to change who we are. And I think it's going to change the way that we see others in our lives. And I think it's going to change the way that we relate to one another. So, Lord, would you please help us, instead of assuming the worst, to believe the best. In Jesus' name, amen.